Okay, Jess, you got your eyes covered? Yep. You're not peeking. No. This is our special bonus Valentine's date. I mean, anything will be better than seeing the Sonic movie on Valentine's Day. It, what, I, I will pretend you didn't say that. And okay, ready? Um, um, we're here. Ready? And open your eyes. This is your bonus Valentine's Day date. This is an alley and like insects and trasher like everywhere. Yeah, but we're behind one of the most prestigious Italian restaurants in the city. In the alley, you're making a face at me. I don't know if you're... I promise, the food here is amazing. It smells. Well, that's part of the ambiance. Look, here comes our maitre d'. He'll assuage your, you know, your trepidations. Uh, uh. What are you two doing in my alley? (laughs) Get away from my dumpster. Happy bonus Valentine's Day, babe. Oh, happy Valentine's Day to both of you. Happy uh, bonus Jonas Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Bonus Jonas Valentine's Day? You know the surprise. I was going to have the Jonas Brothers serenade you. Oh, that'd be amazing. <sighs> Spent thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> so yes, happy bonus Valentine's Day to everyone. Um, we're, sing- we're singing. We're talking about candlelight this week. <laughs> we're singing candlelight. That's what we're going to start doing at the top of every show. We're going to sing the song for ourselves. Forget <clears> the bits. <throat> we're singing now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, this week we're talking about candlelight. We do have some top of the show business. Do you have any top of the show business, Jess? Oh, do you know what I saw online? What's that? You Can See My Socks did a thing where it was like his least favorite songs off each album. I missed that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to list my least favorite songs off each (laughs) album. And I was just going to like respond. And then I was like, no, I'll just save it for the podcast. Okay. So do you want to hear, do you want to hear his list? Sure. This is so negative. This is so. We're here. It's an, a bonus <laughs> so, Valentine's you're Day. We're right. Should I save this for next week? No, we can do it now. It's fine. Some well, people it out is, there. It is topical. Okay. It is topical. Some people out there aren't having a great. Oh, don't have you know Valentines. They don't have a Valentine. To yeah, call there their you own. go. So this is for them. This yeah. is for the people who are effing sick of hearing about Valentines. They want some negativity. Take so, it on a reliant K. <laughs> so Anchorage breakdown. That anchorage, that barely counts. It's not like an outro. Mood rings. Okay. Be my escape. Forgiven. Candlelight. Oh. Gloria and Air for Free. These are his least favorite songs? Yeah. Hmm. Anchorage feels like a cheat. Isn't Anchorage like... It's like the outro to Staples, right? Yeah, Or the intro to... What's the song after that? can't think of it now. Yeah, I can't think of it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I can't think 17 of it. Seventeen Magazine. Okay, yeah. So it's actually not the intro to Seventeen Magazine, because that's... But it's like an interlude song. Yeah. I feel like he'd be like, oh, my least favorite song, I'm forgetting not slow down, Oasis. Because <laughs> it's barely a song. It's just some droning... Flare. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. So this is Candlelight slash Flare. Yes. We're talking about both tracks. Yeah. And we'll get into that. And like, it's an ongoing theme whenever we talk about a song where we merge, whenever we have an episode where we kind of kind of merge interludes and outros together, we bring it up again, why we do it that way. But this week, particularly, I have some information on why we do it that way. Ooh. 
But uh, yeah, that list kind of surprises me. Can I see that again? Can I see your phone? Oh, hold on. Oh. You're, you're taking my <laughs> list. Hold okay, on. There you sorry. go. <laughs> um, so Anchorage, Breakdown. I love Breakdown. There's a breakdown in the song. It's genius. Uh, mood Rings, which I totally get because I've said it before as a big MSPX fan that Responsibility is a song that I've never really liked, even though it's one of their biggest songs. Uh, be should... my Same thing with Be My Escape. I can get why that would be. We should have done local construction today because we didn't realize, like, recording in the middle of a weekday, <laughs> there's a lot of construction going on around in our, our building, building right yeah. now. <laughs> uh, Forgiving Candle. Yeah, I, I mean, I take a little umbrage with some of these choices. Again, Anchorage, I feel like, is a cheat. Uh, Mood Rings and Be My Escape. I never begrudge anyone for hating the biggest songs. But Breakdown, Forgiven, Candlelight, um, you know, that's that's uh, those would not be on my list. What, what would be on your list, Annie? I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I Nothing, nothing. Every song is my number one favorite song. <laughs> so you, uh, Danny, I bet you'll never guess what my least favorite off of uh, Five Score is. Oh, I, should I know this? Is that why you're saying it? <laughs> the, uh, the opening song? Okay, well, All let's right, hear your so list. I'll give you my list. Staples, because it right. gives me anxiety. Because you hate car crashes. Yes. <laughs> um, less is more off of anatomy, just because I'm not really familiar with it. Neither am I. Like, the thing about anatomy and... Um, That's another... Sorry. And, and yeah. two lefts is that every song's so good that it's just... I had to pick the songs that I just don't necessarily listen to. Is right. kind of how I how I picked those two. So I went with I Am Understood, question mark, off of uh, Two Lefts, because mm-hmm. again, I've just never really dived into that song at all. Okay. Um, then Life After Death and Taxes, off okay. of mm-hmm. Deathbed, off of Five Score. Yeah. See, now, if you can see my socks gets to hate Be My Escape and Mood Rings, you should be allowed to hate Deathbed. Exactly. <laughs> um... Off of the album we're talking about this week, I picked Sahara. Right. It's a little too rock and a little too hardcore for you. Too hard. I do enjoy it. I can listen to this album all the way through, but if I had to pick one song, it would be Sahara. It's the song you would least likely listen to on its own. Yeah. It it works in the album as a whole for you, I believe, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you've talked a lot about Forget and Not Slow Down. Also, we should mention, this is our first return to Forget and Not Slow Down in a long time. Yeah, because we slowed. we have to space them out a little bit. Yeah, because we realized this is the album we could. This album technically has the least episodes for us to do, and it's so good we have yeah. to spread it and out. And since the last time we did forget and not slow down, we have a vinyl and two CD copies now. We have the Japanese copy and we have a regular domestic copy. So Jessica has been listening to the album a ton in the last few months since the last time we did Savannah. Mm-hmm. And now she loves, loves, loves yeah. this album. Like before she was like, oh, it's good. But now she's like, she gets it. Yeah. You right. She was so telling good. me all her like theories yeah. on the album <laughs> as a whole. Um, Gloria off of Collapsible Lung. Right. It's, yeah. And then Empty House off Air for Free. Right. I knew that one. Yeah. Wait, what did you say was five score? Deathbed. Deathbed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were just like, oh, yeah. Five score. <laughs> Deathbed. But like after you being like, I don't know which one I was is. thinking of every song but Deathbed. <laughs> exactly. Because it doesn't make sense. That's Deathbed why. feels like its own album to me yeah. sometimes. I don't always think of Deathbed as um, 
the end of that CD. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. of it as an extra CD on the end of the CD. Right. Um, well, that was all my top of the show business. Well, we'll see if I put together my own list. I do not know what my least favorite songs. Well, let me just look at this. What's my least favorite song on Forget and Not Slow Down? Not Forget and Not Slow Down. Um, definitely not Therapy. Not Savannah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be so contrarian if I was like, my favorite song is This Is The End. My least favorite song, If You Want It. They're the same song. <laughs> They're the same song with a break in the, with barely a break in the middle. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can honestly pick like a least favorite song. It's it hard. I would have to like listen to it. Maybe over it. Maybe. Wait, over it's a... Uh, now I'm confused. <laughs> All of... No, over it's a full song. I got confused because I was thinking Oasis when I said... See, again, that goes into my thing where song titles of Reliant K songs just all kind of mushed together. When I'm listening to the song, I know what song it is, but you give me a song title, Savannah, Sahara. I'm like, uh, which... Wait, which one? Yeah, anyway. I'm not going to put this list together right now. Maybe next week. <laughs> Maybe just for the Patreons. The patrons at <laughs> patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod. Cause later this week, by the time this episode's out a couple days later, our second Patreon episode will be up. Yep. We're doing part two of our Reliant K where our, our multi-part review of Reliant K book club of the uh, complex infrastructure known as the female mind book. We're going through that. So uh, yeah, sign up now. $2, $5, $10 tiers. So I also have some top of the show business to talk about. We have a number of voicemails. Oh, wow. Um, We have two. (laughs) We have a number of voicemails. Uh, So first, Brady called up, and this is what he had to say. Hey, guys. This is your corporate overlord, Brady. Uh, Just wanted to call to say I'm excited for the Candy Hearts episode coming up. And uh, in relation to the Can't Complain episode, um, the... Uh, the Looking for America tour. Um, that was a tour where uh, Matt Thiessen had to step away for a couple shows because of family problems. And I think uh, John, the John track that got on the 2016 uh, live album was recorded in Eugene. While Portland was the first uh, show back for Matt Thiessen, and uh, we, nobody really knew if Matt was going to make it to that show. So I was walking around the backside of the Crystal Ballroom in downtown Portland, and I see Matt Thiessen. And I couldn't help myself, but I yelled, Matt! Ah! And the line was probably, you know, 150 feet away. And nobody looked. And Matt looked, like, looked around to make sure that nobody saw it. And then he talked to me for about 30 seconds. Really cool dude. But they played... Uh, that was a great show because they played a lot of their collapsible lung material there, which I love. On a candy-coated hearts uh, note, um, Bleak182 is selling uh, for Valentine's Day on their merch website um, Blink-182 candy hearts, um, which I thought that Dan would love. So keep up the good work, guys. So yes, Brady's going back to our Candy Hearts episode, which by the way, the Candy Hearts we were playing with and like stacking and stuff, they're still sitting on the table. Yeah. They're in they're in the same formation. Yeah. This is our dinner table. 
but I guess we haven't actually had dinner on it. We since also we last use it recorded. for podcasting. Yeah. And yeah. So we don't we don't sit it every night. But yeah, that's a cool. I I knew about Matt Thiessen having to leave the tour at one point and has been replaced, and other people have song for in his place. I, I haven't researched that fully, but it's cool that someone that you know listens to a regular member of our audience, right. Brady, <laughs> and our and a patron. Patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkinspot that he has <laughs> sort of firsthand knowledge like he, or firsthand experience yeah. where he was like not yeah. even sure if Matt Thiessen was going to be at that show. That's cool. And then, yeah, the Candy Hearts from uh, Blink-182. So he sent this like hours after or uh, the day after we recorded the Candy Hearts episode. And I was like, oh, too bad. I can't mention that on uh, our episode. But yeah. I'm cool. I don't need... <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing this come through and I was like, oh no, because we had like just finished editing. Right. Uh, but I'm cool. I don't really need any Blink-182. <laughs> no? I don't really own any Blink-182 merch. The thing is, Blink-182 is like... No, you don't, do you? No. They're just like the biggest... It's... Up until recently, they didn't even... They weren't even necessarily in my top 10 favorite bands, but they're the biggest band that I like. Like, they're the big, they're like, because I... What about Green Day? Well, I liked Green Day up to a point, but I still can tolerate, like, I can tolerate new Blink-182, but I cannot even tolerate new Green Day. Mm-hmm. Like, Green Day is just not the same band to me at all. Like, there's two completely separate bands. Even with the Matt Skiba stuff in Blink-182, I'm still like, that's still the same band. It's There's the spirit of the same band. The spirit of Green Day does not exist to me. <laughs> they're, they're, it's, it's a zombie of a band walking around. But uh, yeah, I mean, Blink-182 is probably in my top 10 now just because of recent like like obsessions in the last few years. But there was a point where I've never really owned any Blink-182 merchandise other than albums. I'm trying to think if I... I don't think I, I ever used to have, have had two a, shirts. You did? I did. Yeah. They were both pink. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think I've ever owned a Blink-182 shirt. Yeah. But then again, I never owned a Less Than Jake shirt. And they're also one of my favorite bands until like two years ago. I bought one at Back to the Beach. Yeah. But I didn't buy a Blink-182 shirt. I looked at them and I was like, eh, you know. It's also like I used to own a lot of Nirvana shirts when I was a teenager. And I would never wear a Nirvana shirt now because it means a whole different thing. Yeah. To this generation. Like yeah. Nirvana means something different than the feeling of Nirvana to they're the populace. They're almost a brand to like like a lot of yeah. young people it's like they don't even really listen to them they just like the logo right but that's still cool that they had special candy hearts i yeah. guess yeah um so let's see then david catch sent us a voicemail and i, I can say that because i get i get given like a difficult time every now and then where mm-hmm. people are like do you really like that band and i'm like yes like i'll be wearing a descendant shirt or something and they're like do you really know who the descends are i'm like yeah i do yeah <laughs> Haven't I forced you to see them twice? Or did you enjoy it? You went with. Oh, no, I love I love oh, yeah. the Descendants, yeah. Um, it's just with every concert that it's my idea to go to, I'm like, am I forcing Jessica to do this? <laughs> or does she want to do it? And then, and then we're two for two for Patreon members calling us this week. Because here's a phone call from David Ketch. Oh, and by the way, I know David Ketch, I haven't mentioned this either to him by DM or on the podcast, but I know Ketch is not his real last name. It's his, like, <laughs> social media handle, but I will always call someone whatever their display name is. Yeah. With the exception being you can see my socks because he's because I couldn't pronounce his original name and <laughs> I can't. Yeah. So whatever, like, Danger Gavin is someone who follows us and I talk to all the time. Like, I'll always call him Danger Gavin because that's his display name, but I know he has right. other names as well. So anyway, here's uh, the voicemail from David. Hi, Danny and Jeff. This is David. I uh, just wanted to call 
because uh, you wanted to say hi. But I just wanted to let you know that I just watched the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and it's pretty good. Uh, it wasn't. It didn't make it geared towards uh, our age, the people that grew up playing the game. Uh, they made it a family movie, but it's a pretty good family movie. Also, um, Candlelight and Flare this week, huh? That's pretty cool. I, I really like this album. I really like the song from the album. Um, one thing about the song is I remember uh, going on uh, one of my first dates in a while, and after that date, listening to this song and thinking, yeah, this is what it feels like again. Um, but it didn't work out. So uh, back to the show. Bye. <laughs> Thanks very much. So, yes, the Sonic movie. I no. was going to say, David, no, don't get him started. <laughs> oh. Well, let's oh. talk about his last oh. thing first. That was that was a nice uh, memory about thinking of this song yeah. and the song being part of going on a date and everything. This is a, this is a nice love song. Do you know what I realized? I was trying to look through it, and I was like, Reliant K doesn't have a lot of, like, love song love songs. They have a lot of, like, like... I have a crush on you. I'm kind oh, of yeah. like into you from afar. Like, oh, I want to get back Would together that be with you. Would qualified as a torch song? Yeah. Oh, I mean, a torch, torch, I think torch, I'd have to look up what torch song means, but I think that would be more the music style. But also if it's like you're holding a torch for someone, right. that's what a torch song means, right? So if it's a lot of like, I'm obsessed with you, I think you're great. Yeah. And they do it in a different way than all than most other pop punk bands cuz most of the pop punk bands when they're singing about unrequited love in a lot of cases it's like why don't you like me? I'm right. over here. Why yeah. don't you notice me? <laughs> um <laughs> which is like that Taylor Swift song <laughs> that biggest song that she had from earlier in her career. Uh-huh. I don't know Taylor Swift too well. <laughs> Everyone out there knows what song I'm talking about. Um, is, is that what Fifteen's about? No, not that song. Oh. She's I only with a guy know I one. only know that one because of your sister. She used to play it incessantly when we'd come visit. <laughs> I, I guess I blocked that out. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's oh, uh, Reliant K not having a lot of love songs. Like I guess I, I found someone's and I posted it on Twitter and no one really liked it. But I was like, oh, I found someone's playlist on YouTube of all of Reliant K's love songs, or at least all the ones that person identified as love songs, and I shared it on Valentine's Day. Um, yeah, I, I would always think Reliant K has a ton of love songs, but they have a lot of love songs for a savior. Yes. <laughs> but I guess they don't have a lot of... That's such a, that's such a punk album title, Love Songs for a Savior. <laughs> but it's Jars of Clay. It's the Jars of Clay song. Is it really? It's the Jars of Clay song we talked about last week. You've oh. already forgotten. Remember I, I said remember the... that? <laughs> I don't remember that. It's Jars of Clay's biggest hit. What it's... song did we do last week? I don't remember anymore. <laughs> They're all over the table. <laughs> all right. Candy hearts. <laughs> I should have poured a bag of candles on top of the table this week. It's like, you ready to talk about candlelight? No. And then I, something about a flamethrower. Gonna like these candles. That should have been our opening. Man, Jars of Clay isn't punk. They shouldn't have taken that album name or song name or whatever it is. I guess not. There's an MXPX song called Jars of Clay, which is unrelated, which is a very punk song. Um, But yeah, so David mentioned the Sonic movie. (laughs) I have seen it twice. 
I've been making memes about it all weekend. <laughs> yeah. My thing is so oh my god, I could talk about Sonic forever. Sonic is oh. like what the Lord of the Rings was for my mom growing up in like the fifties or the sixties or whatever. Like she read the Lord of the Rings and would like she'd tell me stories like I used to read the Lord of the Rings and I'd go out into the woods and I'd you know, play hobbits and elves and stuff. And I was like, that's perfect, mom. You're such a dork, just like you raised me. <laughs> but f- for me, I'm not even kidding. This sounds incredibly dorky, but that was Sonic the Hedgehog. I used to like run around on like pillars and parking lots and stuff. Sounds very dangerous, but I would like run around and like... You do parkour. I, I basically not doing actual parkour, not doing jumps, but I would like find things that like... With like a, like a like a rock wall along a garden or like little things, and I pretend they were ramps in Sonic games, and I would be running as Sonic. And I had this That's vision adorable. of Sonic in my mind my whole life, and what that meant. And for me, I'm not even kidding. Sonic was like Lord of the Rings. Like Sonic's free, and he's out there having adventures, and he's traveling the world, and he's saving little animals from robots. But then they made a Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon when I was a kid, and he's like living underground and like everything's post-apocalyptic and like Robotnik doesn't look right. I was like, I was like, I guess I'm happy to have a Sonic cartoon, but this isn't Sonic to me. (laughs) And then there was the, and then they had the one that was more, they had the goofier cartoon that was like a little, it was like wackier, weird comedy stuff. And I'm like, this is more like what I think of Sonic having adventures, like just traveling the world, having adventures, but it was too wackety schmackety and whatever. The point was, there's been a Sonic movie in my head for like 20 plus years. <laughs> and it's not what you got? It's not what I got, but it was a best It was a best case scenario for a major studio making a movie and not really caring about any uh, the, the background of the character and stuff. But yeah, David's right. Like They didn't make it for the kids who grew up playing Sega, and they didn't make it for the current day fans who were like, you know, draw fan art and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like I all love that, that your Sonic mom played art. Lord of the Rings in the woods, but like she would never be okay with D and D. That's true. Yeah, that's funny. There is a thing like um, those chick tracks. Yeah, the, like the chick tracks when one of them has um, like about objecting, obje- um, rejecting occult stuff, and Jack Chick, or if it was him, if it was someone in his organization that wrote this particular comic they were like including the works of J.R.R. Tolkien and 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 uh, C.S. Lewis right because they were like even though you know those are sold in Christian bookstores and they were known as born-again Christians both of those artists both of those authors there was this like you know hardcore Christian things like those are just <laughs> that's just fake Christianity here to like destroy our children with the ideas of Magic lions and yeah. stuff, yeah. yeah. Which is essentially the early version of Christian pop punk is here to actually trick our kids into Satanism. <laughs> but yeah, we could do a whole Sonic thing. I could, I could do a whole Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> podcast where I talk at you about what I wanted the Sonic the Hedgehog movie to be. Um, this is like I said. This is this movie was fine. It was a best case scenario. There were things in it that I enjoyed very much. There were other nothing that I hated. Things that I was like, oh, they went this way, all right. But I didn't hate the, any of the choices they made. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you know David brought up Sonic, and I know that you had kind of planned on bringing up Sonic because in my deep dive today, uh oh, 
I found some crossover candlelight and sonic uh, fan art. Oh my gosh. Can we, do you want to do that now or do you want to get into the song first? I mean, it's up to you. Because we have one other top of the show business. Okay. That's another rabbit hole that I can get down. Okay. But that's that, like, as I said, we're recording this on the Monday before it comes out on the Tuesday at midnight. And I um, I tweeted that picture where I was in the middle of searching Reliant K tweets. And Twitter was like, do you mean relationship goals? Do you mean uh, relevant memes underscore whatever? And Or do you mean release the Snyder Cut? And I was like, oh, Twitter, you don't know anything about me, apparently. But then Schneck replied and said but for real release the Snyder Cut nice. and, and I replied to him after saying that and this is three hours ago as we we're recording this I'm totally time stamping this episode <laughs> but I said I was going to bore Jessica with Sonic the Hedgehog talk on the pod this week but maybe we'll just go over my myriad of thoughts about Snyder and and, <laughs> and Justice League because I've been last nerdy thing I'll give you the short version <laughs> I find Zack Snyder to be one of the most fascinating filmmakers ever for some of the wrong reasons because first of all he's like a total dude bro and he's got some questionable friendships and stuff so he's not but he's as far as I'm aware he doesn't have any like directly problematic things that he's done right he's just got some questionable friends or questionable relations as a filmmaker I think he's he's the he's the only director this is this is my credit to him. He's the only director that when you look at when you put in a DVD and like you look at the uh, or an art book of a movie and you look at the the uh, what do you call it concept art? concept artwork of a mm-hmm. film, you're like, oh, that looks so cool. But in your mind, you're like, well, that's amazingly cool. You know, Sonic the Hedgehog concept <laughs> art or Star Wars concept art. But they didn't really fully capture exactly that. Alien was also one where there's this right. amazing concept yeah. art that they got like. A shadow of it they got a idea of that concept art but they didn't fully literally translate 100% of that concept art to the screen Zack Snyder's one of the only directors who his films look like concept art mm-hmm. and to me it, I have he some... really knows how to play with like a really unique and vibrant color palette yeah that's really dynamic even though he's like accused of having these like grayed you know, yeah, but that's part images. Of it. But that's part of it. But he's there's actually colors in there that you don't even realize. Yeah. Um. So so that's the, the one thing is like I love concept art of films so much, and I've never had that emotional experience watching a movie until I've watched Batman versus Superman and Watchmen and Three Hundred. The problem is he kind of hates humanity, right? <laughs> <laughs> he kind of like hates humans as a group. Like he obviously. When you look at the way he depicts Superman and the way his like um, Adon, not Adon, whatever the, the the main, I can't remember the main character from Three Hundred, and um, the Spartans and all of them, and all his characters in Watchmen, like he puts this like emphasis on the individual who's like greater than the populace, but he obvi- he he doesn't seem to have a lot of love for humanity as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't really care about people being saved yeah, except as a token. Just send Superman scene. through all those buildings. It's fine right. don't think about the death count or anything because so, superman would never care about humans right it's fine so that's why i find him so fascinating because he's got visually a very artistic eye and possibly you could say soul 
but he just doesn't seem to care about the, the humanity. <laughs> right. He cares about the individual, but he or the, his, his protagonist, but he doesn't care about humans. So I'm like, that's so fascinating that you could have such an amazing visual eye and just be so devoid of like, of like actually understanding what makes a great superhero is that they love the world. Like Captain America literally loves everyone, you know, mm-hmm. other than villains. He loves everyone. He wants to save everyone. But Zack yeah. Snyder's Snoop- Superman and he his Batman. He just doesn't like bullies. Yeah. Like Zack Snyder's Superman and Batman don't seem to really care about bullies as long as they're getting like the bully's boss. You know what I mean? Right. So I just find that so fascinating. So I've already spent more time on this than I plan to. But <laughs> Justice League, aside from the whole thing of Warner Brothers taking it away from him and making up that cover story about he left to, you know, grieve his his uh, daughter and all of that, which I'm sure was partially true, but was not the real. They really just wanted him out of the movie and they brought in Joss Whedon to do all this reshoots and stuff. What's fascinating about that is like that movie, if you before they brought in Joss Whedon, before he left, it seemed like they were basically trying to force him to like people more to have, but they were like forcing all the, the early footage of justice league to like everyone's smiling and having a great time with Zack Snyder. And it's like, this doesn't feel genuine, like for better or worse, that doesn't feel like actually him. So like they were kind of forcing that and they were like, this isn't working. Fire him, make up this cover story, bring in Joss Whedon and make this whole other mess of a movie that's directed by two directors and therefore not directed by anybody. Mm -hmm. So it's like, really, I want to see Zack Snyder's final vision for, it was a trilogy, like men in black, uh, men in black, (laughs) man (laughs) of steel, Batman versus Superman, justice league. And he, he all got cut short. I just find it fascinating. I don't love Zack Snyder, but I'm one of the biggest apologists for him in like the most tempered way of like, yeah, he's not good. He's not a good guy. He might be a really nice person, but I mean, he doesn't seem like whatever. As a superhero director, questionable decision. As a director, as a cinematographer, he's amazing. Yeah. Like, you know how Steven Soderbergh did the cinematography for for Magic Mike 2? Mm-hmm. And Magic Mike 2 is more of an actual movie than the yes, first one, has, where the first one's more like a story film. And, yeah. yeah. So it's like, so Steven Soderbergh does the DP for Magic Mike 2. They should just have Zack Snyder do like DP work for all of the DC like movies. Like art direction, Yeah, art maybe. direction, yeah. 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 For sure. Welcome to our movie podcast. Welcome to Relying K podcast, <laughs> where we are talking this week about, about candlelight, candlelight which from is Forget and Not Slow Down, which is track seventeen on the fan curated vinyl, which still has yet to come out as we record this. N- well, you know. Oh. And I've talked about this on both our social media. Maybe I should have led with this. I sent an email to Smixel Vinyl, Smixel Vinyl. Yes. Just as a customer. Not as like, hey, my name's Danny. I'm from Erlang K Podcast. <laughs> I was just like, hey, I'm sure you get this question a lot, but just wondering, you know, what's up with the Erlang K vinyl? And they emailed back less than five minutes later. Oh, wow. Like they were just clearing out their inbox as I emailed. And it's like, oh, hey, it's on the press right now and should ship this week. Nice. So who knows if by the, it's Monday now. And that's especially why we have to time this episode, because we don't know when the announcement's going to come We should out. have led with that instead of half hour into the podcast <laughs> after people stopped listening because we went on about Sonic and <laughs> Batman versus Superman for so I know. long. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, the vinyl's supposed to possibly ship this week, or at least it's like, it's almost there. Like, it exists. It's physically being created Woo-hoo. as we speak. All right. So yeah, Candlelight will be track 17 on there and the first track on side D. D for Danny. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. <laughs> That's my side. So, um, let's hear about this. Do you want to do you want to lead with the Sonic fan art? Sure. Okay. <laughs> We're already kind of off the rails, and yeah. then we'll get on the rails with actual song discussion. So this came from Tumblr. Ooh. And you mean heaven? Um, it says someone said Coopinant Coop Coopatine. Coopatine said, how would Aurora act if she found Sonic's old Dreamboat Express albums and merch? What? I don't know. I you is, that know some Archie, about, is that some deep Archie comics reference I that I don't say, know? You know a lot more about the Sonic franchise than I do. I play well, it, Sonic like, the has games. a deep <laughs> and complex lore. Let me begin explaining it by mentioning. So... The comics start here. Do you want to do you want to just scroll through this and say what you're? What you're oh, it's like at? a little comic. It is like a little comic. So it's like a sketchy, hand drawn thing. It hasn't been sort of inked or the finalized. The very last frame is colorized. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we have. I guess this must be this person's OC. Aurora must be this comic artist's original character. I believe you'll find out that it is Sonic's daughter with. Amy Rose. Okay, so that's, it's their that's OC. The other that's not a canonical. That's yeah. not a canonical character. Okay. So Sonic says to the little pink hedgehog, it's apparently his daughter. Come on, I promised your mom we'd get this place cleaned up before she gets home today, from work today. Uh, Aurora, the pink hedgehog that is apparently Sonic's non-canonical daughter, says, "What is this?" And she finds some sort of record, I guess, in a box. Um, oh no, it's a book. I don't know what it is. It's hard to tell with the sketchy drawing. Um, oh, and it says "Duditude," <laughs> and then it's a, <laughs> it's a picture of Knuckles, Sonic, and Tails. <laughs> and so it's a CD, and the daughter hedgehog says, "What? I knew you sang, but you were in a band, Daddy." <laughs> and Sonic says, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that. It was a while back." And what what is this? The B sharps? Yeah, this is the plot of the B sharps. Um, and then there's a watermark that says e dash yay dot tumblr dot com, uh, and then the pink hedgehog says, "You like <laughs> they watermarked it? It's like please don't steal this. Um, you really are the coolest, Dad. I wish I could have seen you back then. Ah, oh, this is sort of like." What I heard about what John Schneck told us is that his kids have been listening to the podcast because they don't know as much about, like, back then, right? Oh. So in a way, this is, uh, did I not mention that? I can't remember <laughs> if it was in a DM or I guess it wasn't in a voicemail. It was in one of the a DM that I had with John Schneck thanking him for his original voicemail. And he's like, yeah, my I, they say his son. I can't remember now because I forgot to tell you about this. He's oh, like, no, my we son. we got to watch been, what we say. I know. <laughs> Well, we Kids believe all the swears. It's true. But he's like, he, he he told us like, oh yeah, my my. I think he said my son. He said my son's been listening because like he's interested in you know hearing about you know back then and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know how old his kid is. Um, I didn't ask. Now I have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Sonic says, "Well, now that you mention it, meaning yeah, I am pretty cool." Uh, Sonic says, we could use a quick break from cleaning today. What do you say? This old man could teach you a thing or two about properly rocking out. And Sonic's daughter goes, yee. <laughs> and then it's a picture of these. Uh, I better screen cap this right now before we lose it. It's a, it's, a screen, <laughs> it's a colorized picture of Sonic and his daughter rocking out to the song Candlelight. 
Can't hold a candle to your all musket in the way. Yep. It's quite a <laughs> quite an image. And then there's a little author's note underneath, followed by the lyrics. I love that all we're right. leading our candlelight discussion with this. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic's got a three-headed guitar for some reason. That's a little excessive. She's rocking, and his daughter is rocking out on a uh, broom. Yeah. It's like you don't have like a, anything extra to hand her. Um, I picture Sonic writing the song Candlelight by Reliant K for Amy when they were younger. By the way, canonically speaking, Sonic is a vol cell, and he doesn't really have time to be in a relationship. <laughs> He's like, no way, dude. <laughs> Amy's like, Sonic... You want to have sex? And he's like, no way, dude. And he <laughs> zooms off. He's like, bros before hedgehogs. Danny, kids might be listening. <laughs> it's just the word hedgehog with the G cut off. Um, but now that he's older, he sings it for his daughter. Aw. Just a little creepy, but aw. Um, yeah, and then they just list out the lyrics. Which we can use the. I want to use this Tumblr page to discuss the lyric to do the proper <laughs> lyrical discussion of the song this week. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. That's that's a very <laughs> that's very one of a kind. <laughs> I love it. This is what I've been hoping to get every week. So I was so excited when this finally came a up Sonic in my head. That is so perfect. This week. This week. Of this all week weeks. when the Sonic movie's out. <laughs> Wow, this week when the Sonic movie's out, we find and a Sonic ma- candlelight comic strip. Who made me go see a midnight release of it? It wasn't midnight, it, wasn't it was 10.20. It was, it was downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, Thursday night. Because <laughs> all the theaters like closer to us, you know, they weren't sold out, but they didn't have good seats. I wanted good seats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was how our Valentine's Day went. How did your Valentine's Day First go? First of all, that's not even, that's not true. <laughs> I took, I was like, oh, I took us on a Thursday night. I took us the night before Valentine's Day. It's funny to joke to say I made you go to Valentine's Day to see the Sonic movie, but I did not do that. No. We went, and you know, we've been being vegan recently. I'm more vegetarian than vegan, but I was like, I'm going to be a good boy. I'm not going to get a chili dog because we went to a, we went to a, we went to a movie theater where they serve food at your, at your, at your chair. And I, they had special chili dogs on the menu. And I'm like, I could get a chili dog. I'm not going to do it. I got a grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was good. It was fun times, though. <laughs> yeah. For And then for Valentine's Day, we went to Sage Bistro mm. here in Los Angeles, which we definitely recommend. They have a couple locations. So good. They're a uh, vegan restaurant and brew house. Yeah. Yeah. I had a jalapeno beer, which I kind of regretted. <laughs> it, was it was very, very spicy. spicy. Anyway, that was our Valentine's Day. And no one could hold a candle to you the whole Aww. time. Uh, here is your phone. Thank back. you. I need my notes. <laughs> so um, anyway. Speaking of That notes. was a great way to start the episode. That was a great way to start. We, we've been in this episode, but that was a great way to start the discussion <laughs> Of the song Candlelight. Um, I love, I really like this song. It's a banger. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I don't have a ton to say about it, however. Like sort of with Candy Hearts, where I was just like, this is a really cool song, but it feels straightforward. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like, I couldn't personally find like deeper things to dig into with the lyrics. Um, 
I mean, there's a little bit we can discuss with like the imagery of moths and stuff, but like with the music, uh, my untrained ear didn't pick out anything that was too different. Like production wise, it sounds very similar to Forget and Not Slow Down and Don't Need a Soul, right? Like this song, Don't Need a Soul and Forget and Not Slow Down all have a similar, I could be completely wrong if Mark Lee Townsend put out uh, a video breaking this song down. But to me, those three songs on this album all sound, the, the music, the melody is totally different, but they all sound very similar, right, in production. But then you get into things like Savannah, and you get into songs like If You Believe Me, and you get into songs like um, Sahara. Those have different tones. Those have different musicality. Those have different... Um, you know, they're cohesive to the production, but they have slightly different production ideas than this trio of songs I'm referring to. So when it comes to I Don't Need a Soul, Forget Not Slow Down, Candlelight, this they sound too similar to me to talk about any of them differently from each other. Um, I don't know if there is or not, because I haven't been able to, you know, pick it out necessarily, but there may or may not be a mandolin on this track. Oh, okay. Um, because I found mandolin tabs... Oh, for this song. Unless it's just like transposed it's just like, yeah, for yeah. people to learn it. Yeah. So either way, those are out there if you're interested at mandotabs.com. Nice. <laughs> Mando tabs. Mando <laughs> sounds like it could be a problematic word. Oh. It's, I guess it's not. Like Mondo? Well, yeah. Mondo tabs. Right. Like Mondo found, films found can have films. like yeah. horrible things in them, but that's yes. not what I was. I just meant the word Mondo. It sounds like it could be a swear. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm looking real quick at the... Oh, so now, because this is the first episode we've done since we have we own physical copies of this album. Like I yeah. said, we own three physical copies. I have the Japanese exclusive one that has terminals on it. And did we not have that one um, last time when we did uh, no. Savannah? Oh, no. okay. I thought we, we did. still didn't own any physical copy. We Now we own a record. We bought a record used. We bought the domestic copy when we were in Las Vegas at Zia Records. Yep. Um, and then we bought the Japanese copy on Discogs, brand new. I felt so bad. Like, I was, like, very carefully slicing it open. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got to open this. It wasn't super expensive. It was, like, 25 bucks, mm-hmm. which is, like, one of the best-case scenarios, ordering something from Japan. Um, but I'm looking at the instru- the instruction manuals. <laughs> I'm still got Sonic <laughs> on the brain. I'm looking at the instruction manuals to figure out how to do the, the uh, warp zone. And uh, photography by Ethan Luck and Kale Glendenning. Nice. Um, additional vocals on Sahara by Matt McDonald, Tim Skipper, and Aaron Gillespie. Where's the song we're talking about this week? What are we talking about? Candlelight. I don't see any particular mention of Candlelight having anyone special on it. Yeah, I didn't either. Oh, okay. You already looked? Then why did you ahead. let me? Why'd you send me on this goose chase? I didn't. You just, I looked over and suddenly you had the booklet in front of you. And okay, I was like, well, all right. I thought you were looking at the lyrics. Oh, I should I leave it know. out because I can look at the lyrics. You can look at the lyrics on that Sonic page and I can look at them in the booklet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've said about everything I can say about the music already. But I just really, I do really like this song. Um, it's a common theme, as you were kind of saying, that in a lot of Reliant K love songs, it's really about Matt Thiessen just talking about how great the girl is. There's a lot of She's Out of My League songs, mm-hmm. which is fitting because one of the main ones would be uh, we, you sh- we Should Get Jerseys. Must have done something right. Must have done something right. But yours would look better than mine because you're out of my league. Right? There, that's That seems to be the 
core premise to most of his love songs is you're so much better than me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is a great stalker song. Kind of like a... <laughs> like it's a, so funny you said Like that. every breath you take. <laughs> it's so funny you said that because I just started reading the in, the instructions, the lyrics for the first yeah. time. And as you said that, I was like, oh, this is about him having a crush from afar. I kind of didn't assume that. Like the first hundreds of times that I listened to this song... Oh, really? I thought it was about he's in a relationship. I kind of... It's it's post-breakup, and he's like, I'm going to go try to catch a glimpse but not get caught. And then he decides against it because he realizes that to see her would be worse if he doesn't get his head straight first. I think just from the tone, the emotional tone, not the guitar tone, but from the emotional tone of the song, now they think about it. I think my preconceived but not fully voiced feeling on the song until today was that this was like a guy who likes a girl and is thinking, and I forgot what album that, you know, what the pretense in which this album was made. Yeah. But I thought it was about a guy who likes a girl and he's with her now, but he's remembering how hard it was to get to talk to her. And that's probably not correct because, of course, this is a breakup album. But then maybe I also could have, could have thought at some point that it was like um, that this is like a flashback. Mm-hmm. If you think of "Forget and Not Slow Down" as like a like a rock opera about mm-hmm. a relationship, that maybe this is like a flashback to the first days he met her and he didn't know quite how to tell her that he liked her and everyone paled in comparison to her and stuff like that. But I'm just reading through the lyrics and it's like, to know her is to love her. I'm going undercover to catch a glimpse and not get caught. Which is, you know, whether you're broken up or you like someone and you've never told them and you've never been in a relationship with them. That's a very easy to understand idea. Like you're afraid of rejection. You don't want to tell them. Mm-hmm. Right. So you could read that either way. You could imagine you're, you're it. looking at it metaphorically. And I think it's a little more literal. Than yeah. That. This it's is just, more literal. Teason. This is just sitting at it. He's like sitting at a desk in the cabin going... To know her is just to love oh, her. I'm this... going undercover to catch a glimpse of not get caught. But to see her could be worse if I don't get my head straight first. On second thought, I guess I'll not. So this That's is like he's so like, I'm going to leave the cabin and go see what she's up to. But you know what? On second thought, if I don't get my head straight before I go see her again, it's going to be a bad idea. So I guess I won't. That makes so much more sense. Because like when you've been broken up with someone and we talked about it, when did we, what did, what, I don't remember, what, we, it couldn't have been a Forget and Not Slow Down song, but we were talking, last time we talked about our time where we were broken up, and I mentioned um, that mo- the movie 500 Days of Summer, mm-hmm. and how after This album Joseph is 500 Days yeah, of Summer. It is. For like, hey. After Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel have broken up in that movie, and he's expecting to see her again at a party, and the, all of that, like, there is a thing where it's like you've been broken up with or you break up with someone and like you've got to get you know you mm-hmm. you want to be in a place before you see them again. You either want to seem more desirable because you want to make them think they want to get back with you, or you want them to think that you don't care about them anymore and you're good and you've moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's that fresh, you can't really genuinely be in either place. You've got to just like rush yourself, force yourself to be there. It's like really it takes time 
if you if if you're gonna only if you're gonna have to only get over the person it only takes time and if you're gonna um possibly come back to them like we did then you know that also <laughs> kind of takes time to like you know resettle your mind and figure out what you did wrong in the relationship and all of that but it's so clear now that line like to see her could be worse because if i don't get my head straight first it's like you need to like you were broken up with for a reason you need to straighten those things out i'm talking about our relationship right now <laughs> she's because then a line like this it could be trans could be placed into almost any love song she's almost brighter than the sun seems to me to be unfair when you consider everyone who pales when they compare like that's a line that could be in in five score or mm-hmm. um can't hold a can't and then and then this is like the classic sort of uh, wordplay. Mm-hmm. Jessica really is using the sonic page. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> to look at the lyrics. Can't it's hold. Pulled up. <laughs> I know. Can't hold a candle to her because all the moths get in the way. And the and this line I used to get wrong, and I want to talk about this. And they'll begin to chew her entire attire until it frays, for she outshines anyone who might dare to bask in the same candlelight. I didn't fully get them. I read. I heard these lyrics wrong until this mm-hmm. week. I didn't realize he broke up the sentence there between lines of the song. So when he says, and they'll begin to chew her entire attire until it frays. When he sings it, he sings, and they'll begin to chew her. And I'm like, oh, the moths are chewing her. Yeah. So then I think the next line is a new thing, but I couldn't actually discern what he was singing. I couldn't either. So entire attire until it frays. That makes sense. I figured it out <laughs> on my own listening to the song a bunch right before. I was like, oh, he's saying entire attire. This is unlike some other things where I can't get a lyric right, and then I go and I have to look it up. Like, I, I finally clicked right before I looked it up. But I was like, this totally changes what I thought he was singing about. What did we... And then Candy Hearts. Like, in Candy Hearts, where I thought he was singing, he's not in shape for the suit she bought, right? And it wasn't right. until I looked it up and it said sushi bar, and I'm like, oh, I was totally wrong, and that changes the whole form, the, the song in my head. Um, this is even more so uh confusing because he kind of just he breaks up that sentence between measures of the song so that's why it's kind of confusing so the moths are chewing on her clothes because she's so bright they're not chewing on her right because initially i was like oh man what's it with uh Thiessen choosing girlfriends first he gets a girlfriend that gets eaten by marilyn manson <laughs> then he gets a girlfriend that gets eaten by moths <laughs> bad luck well no it just turns out they're chewing on her clothes Oh, please don't see this in the back with all the insects and the trash. She is the lady. I'm the tramp. Collecting stares from pears close by, then flutters in a butterfly. Ew, just a moth drawn to the lamp. Now that's surprising. I Does it say that on yours? U-E-W? What does it say? About- U-Y-O-U. No, on the, inst- on the lyric. <laughs> I keep saying instructions, and I'm not saying it ironically. In the lyrics in the book, it says... Then flutters in a butterfly. E-W. Ew. Hmm. Like, ew. Ew. Just a moth drawn to the lamp. Is that a typo in the book? I don't know. Is everyone just correcting it online because they're like, no, we totally said you. But it says E-W. Uh, let me check an actual lyric site. <laughs> just a moth drawn to the lamp. So I'm, now I'm confused. Is he saying, uh, like, gross, it's just a moth drawn to the lamp? Or is he actually saying you... And there's a typo in the lyric book. There are typos in lyric books all the time. The uh, vinyl for Ever Passing Moment by MXPX famously has incorrect lyrics in it. Not that famously. Famously within the within MXPX fandom. 
Um, the Google page, this their like generic Google lyric page, also says EU EU. Okay, so that's something to unpack, but I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. So he's like, "Ew, it's just a moth drawn to the lamp." What's what's I don't understand. Maybe a butter, maybe like a butterfly isn't anything special. It's just another moth drawn to the lamp. Because uh, because they're having dinner, like Lady in the Tramp style, mm-hmm. and other couples around them are turning to stare at them, and then a butterfly comes in the restaurant. But then he says, ew, it's not a butterfly. It's just another moth drawn to the girl, I guess. It's very, I mean, if that's, what he's, if that's what he's saying, then that's a very visual, whimsical, fantasy-like yeah. image. <laughs> but I don't know if entirely if that, if that is what the image we're supposed to get. Uh, and we're almost done with the lyrics. Just like an ancient artifact, something you're lucky to have found, she'll pinch the nerves in all the necks when she turns those heads around. Uh, and then they put the lyrics for flare on here. A solar flare shines through her hair. It's so unfair when you compare the one who's fairest of the fair. Which I have to talk about that in a second. So, yeah. I guess there was a little bit more to unpack in the lyrics than I thought. Especially with that you part. Yeah. That is very confounding. Yeah. I guess he, he's like, he's like, hey, a butterfly's in the restaurant. Ew, it's a moth. It's like, poor moth. It's like the moth from all those memes recently. <laughs> you know? That disgusting looking moth with the giant eyes. Or is it another guy? Oh, are the moths guys? Who's just drawn to her and her oh, beauty and her especially light? Especially if you think about this in the terms of a breakup song. Yeah. Are the moths like other guys who are swarming around her now that she's single? Maybe. Mm. Mm. What do you think? Call us up. 402-95-SADIE. <laughs> but see now, the restaurant imagery is also another reason why in the idea of this being a rock opera about a relationship... I thought this was a flashback to the early days of their relationship mm-hmm. because in this image, in, it, it could be, it yeah, could be broken up there. Ju- it could, it could be both. It could maybe just that one verse. Is it, it could be kind of like we talked about with Savannah where it's like, there's a, it's like different ideas put together. Right. So like those first two, um, I don't know, that's not a stanza. What do you call that? Those first two paragraphs of lines. <laughs> Verses, those first two verses, thank you, (laughs) are one thought. And then we move into a different kind of story from there. Right. We did, yeah, we talked, uh, that. that, I think we mentioned this the week after we did Savannah, but maybe since we're doing a new Forget Not Slow Down, it bears repeating. When we talked about Savannah, we found just like a random fan's comment on song meanings or genius or something where they were, where they said, baby was the outro to Savannah. They said Baby was a song that Thiessen wrote for his fiancée to sing at their wedding that never happened. And we were both confused by that notion. We were like, what? What is that? This is the outro to the song. How could he have written? And then it was after we had finished editing the episode and put it together. I was like, okay, wait a second. Chronologically, it is entirely possible that the song Baby, just the song Baby, just that outro, just what we know of as the outro, could have been a song he wrote to sing at his wedding and then when they broke up he fleshed the song baby into the fuller bigger song that is savannah right that is entirely possible so that kind of presents this sort of time jump if that is the case and we don't have any kind of firsthand or like band information or interview information to quote mm-hmm. to confirm any of this but if that is true then it's possible savannah kind of skips around in time a little bit to before and after their breakup, like kind of back and forth. So maybe this song, Candlelight, could possibly do the same sort of thing. 
which then makes me not seem like such a big idiot for forgetting that this is a, that this could be a breakup <laughs> song. But I like that idea that the moths are like other guys who are interested in her. Or ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Darn right. Um, so EarnThis.net ranked Candlelight number 16 on their top 50 Reliant K songs. That's that website That's that I found website last week. That's that website you found last week. <laughs> or yeah, two weeks ago. I've come across them a couple times before, but because it's just like a, a blogs list, I've never um, brought it up before. Right. So I knew because you did it last week, I was like, all right, so this one's on there. So bears mentioning. So what also bears mentioning, and I hinted at this before, now that we own physical copies of this album, and I kind of had wind of this before, but now that I'm looking at it, I realize that it's absolutely true. All of the intros and outros from this album, which mm-hmm. this album is famous for, mm-hmm. having all of these extra tracks, right? they're not listed on the back of the CD. Oh. I first realized it when we oh, broke yeah. out our album. Now, we've had this CD for, for a month or two. We've had that vinyl for only days. I noti- I did notice it on the vinyl. Yeah. The, when, I didn't look at the back of the vinyl, but when I had the actual sides and putting them on the turntable, yeah. I was like, oh, flair is not referenced along with this and then i was like oh wait then other you know uh, oasis wasn't on there and baby wasn't on there and then i looked at the back of the cd which i hadn't really looked that closely at and i'm like oh yeah it says one forget not slow down two i don't need a soul three candlelight five part of it seven therapy eight over it nine sahara i'm like oh 11 savannah <laughs> so it's like you know basically when we started this podcast it was a question and i think someone even posed it to us early on i think i could be wrong it was either you can see my socks or it was tim wilson it was somebody posed to us the question of when we did i celebrate the day they were like oh are you gonna do the two carols that lead Mm -hmm. up to that and we're like oh yeah of course because we always that's how we do this podcast and we decided this from early on when we did this podcast. It's like we're not going to take all those interludes and outros and intros and do separate episodes on those because it seems like when those exist in Real Line K work that they meant they're meant to sort of go with the original work. They don't stand necessarily on their own. But Kids on the Street that gets its own. That uh... totally gets its own. That's different. That's an interlude, <laughs> but it's not an interlude that's thematically tied. Or and melodically tied. Also, yeah, because because you could take that and put it between <laughs> any songs. I'm talking about songs that are like melodically tied to another track. Which, by the way, now that we're talking about this, I realize that the title track, mm-hmm, the uh, the hidden track, the zero track, mm-hmm. which is late on mm-hmm ten, it's uh, it's melodically my girl's ex. My girlfriend's ex-boyfriend. Oh, okay. And my I, girl's ex-boyfriend. My girl's yeah. ex-boyfriend. I, I didn't realize that when we talked about uh, the first track off of Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I didn't. And we talked about the song Mm-hmm. It didn't occur to me at the time. So I guess we'll talk about the title track, the hidden track of Mm-hmm again when we talk about my girl's ex-boyfriend. Right on. Anyway, point is, now looking at the back of this, I'm like, yeah, I think we did the right thing because if you take this track listing as a sign, they don't really think of all those intros and outros and interludes as actual songs. Uh-huh. Like, Flair is just candlelight, but it's been separated by an arbitrary tr- thing on the CD, which right. is the track. Now, looking at the grooves of the record, there is actually that gap groove mm. between 
candlelight and flare. Hmm. So on that end, on the engineering of the record, on the pressing of the record, they do see them as separate tracks. But they it's don't, not listed that way. But it's not listed that way. So it's just a funny thing. I don't know. I think it... We, we, Jessica was saying, like, obviously... We, we, you know what we were thinking recently was, like, we need to compile... We said it before that we don't really want to interview anyone on the podcast. <laughs> but uh, other than having, like, friends on and guests and stuff... But we don't like having the band on the podcast. We're we're not there yet, right? If that yet. ever becomes a thing, we're not there yet. We're not going to be bothering anyone for interviews. Basically, no. There's a difference between now, having a guest on and having an interview. If you're someone from the band and you want to be on the podcast, <laughs> sure. we're not going to stop sure, you. Sure, we're not going to stop you. But we've had Come all on. these little questions popping up here and there throughout the podcast, and like we really should be writing these down. Yeah, and keeping a file. I was thinking the same in thing. case we ever have an uh, like like because it seems like if we send a question to Schneck. He would be courteous and answer it mm-hmm. if he knows the answer. But if we ever have an audience with anyone else in the band, first thing I'll ask Matt Thiessen is, "Do you remember me? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember me and my friend Johnny from back in the day?" Uh, the second question, who knows? It could be any of these. Qu- we should start compiling, keeping a file yeah. of all these little questions. And one question we have is like, "What's the artistic choice? What's the is is there a message? Is there a meaning behind the way that they played with the CD?" format yeah that was something that i actually brought up before when when danny said we were going to do candlelight and i was like i really want to know what that choice was in making these little intros and outros that seem so part of right the uh the other songs i think it could be like they're just kind of playing around with the technology because this is the end of this album came out right around the the dawn i'm sorry the, the twilight of the cd right I feel like this could just be them kind of playing around with the CD format a little bit. Mm-hmm. Famously, everyone everyone should know about Hidden Tracks. The last track on a if and although we I'm sure we have listeners who probably don't even own CDs, but you're probably at least familiar with this concept because it carries through to some streaming. When some albums get moved to streaming, we're all familiar with the idea of Hidden Tracks, that the last track on a CD has this gap of silence, and then suddenly the real the the, the hidden track comes on. I think it's kind of stupid in the streaming era where that like you have a 15 minute song, but there's really only four minutes of song mm-hmm. and five minutes of silence right. and two minutes of song. I think that's it doesn't it doesn't convert into the streaming era. But for some mm-hmm. reason that gets moved over to iTunes and iTunes gets moved over to all the new streaming services with that format. I think some bands smartly have cut that gap out and just put the hidden track just in there as an extra track on the album. Point is. I believe, and I could be mistaken in this, it was Nirvana that created the hidden track on Nevermind. Because Kurt mm-hmm. Cobain was kind of, he was interested in things like the Beatles had that hidden groove on the record where it was like a, a, a loop. I think it was on Sgt. Pepper's. Mm-hmm. There's a single groove, one single circle on the edge that you could get it in that groove and it would just loop endlessly. Oh. Right? It wasn't, and that was the hidden track. Hmm. Uh, I think Kurt. I could be wrong about this, but it was always my understanding that Kurt Cobain wanted to do something like that in his generation, which would be with the CD. So on Nevermind, they had the song Endless Senseless that was like the first hidden track. I'm pretty oh, sure. That's cool. Now, everyone's, everyone for the next 20 years up until the, pretty much the end of CDs did a hidden track. And then eventually, I don't know who created the first pre-gap zero track, but we've talked about those in the episode because uh, Reliant K has had a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, so my point was, 
it seems like CD technology, CD technology was kind of like everything you could get out of it. Surprise wise, surprise wise, technology wise had been done. Advanced CDs, all this stuff. So maybe it was just sort of like Matt Thiessen's like last chance or the band as a whole, their last chance trying to say like, let's play around with the CD format. Let's create these little intros and outros and not list them, but they're technically their own tracks especially with This Is The End and If You Want It, which is like one song that's split up for... It's like the cut on the track, you're in the middle of a drum hit. Like you're in the middle mm-hmm. of a of a cymbal hit. It's like so not necessary to cut that into two tracks, but they did. So it's very... So I'm like, what is... So I'm still... Even though this is my theory that maybe they were toying around with the format, I'm curious. what Was there an actual like artistic choice? Was there some sort of meaning behind the theme of the album being a breakup album and breaking up these? Oh, maybe that's it. They broke up these tracks <laughs> into separate tracks, oh. and this is a breakup album. Ooh, I like that. I conspiracy. worked through it live. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, speaking of of uh, beautiful art, I'm just looking at the album art for this. The this painting. painting is so beautiful. That we're told is it's, by Tyson's uncle. Yeah, it's so amazing that this is a painting. I've always thought until we started doing this podcast that it was just a photo right yeah that's so nice so point is that was a long ramble but the point (laughs) is for us on this show to say we're doing one episode of candlelight and flare together makes total sense to me because if they don't list flare as a separate track on here then it's clearly not meant as its own song it might be its own track there's i guess there's a difference between a track and a song and it doesn't seem like Flair is actually its own song in this context. Speaking of things that are old and outdated, I didn't know Napster was still a thing, but the Napster link for Candlelight popped up this week in oh. my deep dive. And this is the first time, too. We have covered, like, I don't know, 38 songs or something like that. And this is the first time a Napster link popped up. <laughs> also, Candlelight is still a song that you can listen to on MySpace. Oh, is it really? It is. <laughs> it's not taken down? It's but did you not actually taken play down. it? Because a, a year or two ago, famously, like, MySpace had to admit, hey, we've we've lost all the data on tens of thousands of songs or thousands of songs or whatever. Oh, it was still there. I mean, I don't, I don't think I tried to play it, but it was oh. like you could go to it and it was still in the player. Oh, I'm wondering if you tried to hit play if it wouldn't play. Because there's, it was just kind of like a thing of lost media that there's all these songs that were only like on MySpace. Mm. And if someone hadn't ripped them or copied them off of MySpace, they mm-hmm. may be lost forever unless oh. like those artists have them on backup disc somewhere. Even tiny bands like demo bands, like local bands, MySpace or Pure Volume, things like that might have been the only places that those songs were available. Mm-hmm. And MySpace, when they immigrated from their old system to this new like stripped down who cares system right they apparently lost all the data for mm. thousands of songs and they're just that's like gone and that's really unfortunate did they lose like pictures and stuff too because a couple years yeah, ago i think so i tried to go on i like logged into my myspace for the first time in like know, 10 years or something i think it still said i was engaged or something like that like it's oh, been yeah. a long time and i logged in just because there were pictures on my myspace in my profile pictures uh-huh. that were only there like that they had been on an old hard drive of mine and the hard drive like went out and I haven't been able to recover those photos. So I went on there to get them and they were just gone. The only thing that was there was my profile picture. Yeah. That I, was the I only one of my so. photos I think that they might have lost more than just the song data. They might have basically deleted all the picture data, which stinks. Yeah. 
Because how are you supposed to sneak around and look at people if they don't have a MySpace? Like the theme of this song. Maybe that's what he was talking about. He's like, maybe he's just singing about like logging on to her MySpace. Especially because back then, like, I guess she didn't have, did MySpace have private? Like maybe towards the end they did. Yeah, MySpace had private. They had private mode. Okay. I, th- I think they, they did. Yeah. Maybe not. Oh, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's so funny because what was someone? I don't remember. There was a viral tweet where someone was like, big ups to Tom from MySpace. He didn't try to sell our data to the Chinese or anything. He just (laughs) tried to teach everyone HTML and then bounced. (laughs) Yeah. I think I sent that to you. (laughs) Did you? Okay. (laughs) Good stuff. Um, Would you like to hear a review of this album? Uh, (laughs) If I said no, what would you do? I mean, let's be honest. I'd probably read it anyway. So well, before you do that tonight, I am drinking Boulevard Brewing oh. Bourbon Barrel Quad Barrel Aged Ale because I've recently gotten into bourbon. So I was like, I know bourbon beer does not actually have bourbon in it, but I was like, oh, bourbon beer, I'll get it. Fancy. <laughs> and that's okay. I finished that. Then Jessica had opened a <laughs> BJ's brew house. Like, yes, BJ's, the restaurant, have their own brand of beer in cans. Harvest Heffenweizen because Jessica loves Heffenweizen. She took one sip. She's like... This is not a Heffenweizen for me, so she gave it to me. Yep. <laughs> to so he's double fisting it tonight. Yeah. Um. So punknews.org, which I thought you'd want to hear that because that's they're they're near and dear to your heart. As I've said, as I said a week or two uh, last week or the week before, I use the Christian punk news, which is Jesus Freak Hideout. <laughs> <laughs> so Reliant K for getting not slow down two thousand nine, they gave it two stars. Now, what is the star system? What is the star system over on (laughs) on Punk News? Is it out of five? I think it's out of four or five. Okay, so they give it a two, and it's by user X Curl Up and Die X. I know, so it sounds like a Ryan K thing. You told me that before. So, but I didn't hear the review. Let's hear it. Throw it at me, babe. Evolution does not always bring positive changes, no matter what Charles Darwin taught the world. The new Reliant K album is the proof. These Christian kids, who maybe don't believe in Darwin's theory, keep on evolving their sound with such mediocre results. Icaroni. (laughs) I'm not making a comment on what I do or don't believe about evolution. I'm just saying, like, I hate it when people toy around with the Christian thing, like, ooh, I'm being so clever. Do they believe in evolution? Ah, ha, ha. (laughs) Uh, keep on evolving their sound with such mediocre results that one could easily believe this is not the same band. Wow. (laughs) Um, On their previous and early records, Reliant K played some amazing, fast, and ultra-catchy pop-punk tunes inspired by the the likes of Blink-182 and Green Day. (laughs) Well, in the sense that we're all inspired by Blink-182. In the way that we all have like Teflon in our cells or whatever, we all like we're all influenced by Green Day and Blink One Eighty Two. Um, with great records as the Anatomy of the Tongue in Cheek or their super poppy Two Lefts Don't Make a Right, but Three Do, that opened. Which, as I've commented and as someone said in a review recently, is not as pop punky as you think. It has no. like five or six pop punk jams and then a lot of slow and worship songs. Which is not something I kind of realized until we started doing this podcast and I listened to that album with more critical ear. And then someone who like criticized that album greatly, like I my only thing that I agreed with them with was like, yeah, there are a lot of slow songs on two lefts more than you kind of think. 
So it's I'm quirky. already not it's, on the same page with this person. It's quirky rock. rock. I don't consider it pop. I consider it quirky rock. Quirky rock. It's its quirk own rock. genre. Quirk rock. Quirk rock. Quirk rock. So, it's, it's a tongue twister, but that's what it is. Quirk rock. Um... That opened their doors to the world. The following big leap forward happened with mm -hmm, a major production, ultra thick vocals, poppy melodies. And now is when you could use the term pop punk, folks. Like, (laughs) I just like going forward, reviewers. Yeah. Please (laughs) go go back back and edit your your things. Find your password. (laughs) Contact the editor at the website you used to work for. I'm sure you already graduated from that college that you were attending back in 2004. But I need you to go back and... Only start referring to Reliant K as pop punk with, with mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Thank you. And then call them thrash metal on five score and seven years ago. <laughs> um, ultra thick vocals, poppy melodies, and a consequently amazing result. After that, it's been all down here for the X Foursome Now Fivesome band from Ohio. Has it? <laughs> the new album see lead vocalist slash guitarist slash pianist Matt Teason and guitarist slash vocalist Matt Hoops and two remaining original members. Wait. Wait, no. no. There's not a single remaining original nope. member by this time. Wait, do they mean that the Matts are the two remaining original members? Because then they mean it. But they say, Yeah. That's what that's they what mean. Because okay. it sounded like you said the Matts and Sorry. two original the two okay. original. Yeah. Okay, we spoke too soon. Sorry. I'm sure you'll have other things that are stupid in here, but that one wasn't <laughs> one. And the new guys from X Band's Ace Troubleshooter, Audio Adrenaline, and the OC Supertone slash Demon Hunter. See? Yeah, okay. Yep. He or Got she it. knows what's up. I, um, I would have liked a Dingy's reference in there, but that's fine. Okay. <laughs> Making the slow songs the important part of the album. What? The, what? Okay. Oh, is that, is that the beginning of a statement? Okay, let me go back and, and let me take okay, it back for a second. Sorry. Okay, so sorry the, for my asides. The new album see lead vocalist slash guitarist, yada, yada. They see Teeson and Hoops, the two remaining original members, and the new guys from X Band's Ace Troubleshooter, Audio Adrenaline, and the OC Supertone slash Demon Hunter making the slow songs the most important part of the album. That's a very long, confusing sentence. <laughs> With a lot of parentheticals. The result is that after the two first fast songs, the whole album becomes quite a copycat of Jack Mannequin and something corporate. Or even Coldplay. What? What? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. What? Oh. Jack Mannequin is not a band I'm familiar with, but something corporate. And what was that other one? Coldplay. Who? Cold? Coldplay? Hold on, I have to look them up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I don't know Jack Mannequin. As someone who saw Coldplay like two years before this article was written, no. <laughs> that's my. That's what I have to say to you is just no. <laughs> Jack's Mannequin. Jack's hmm. Mannequin. What did I say? You said it, right? Correct. Okay, something I... corporate or Coldplay. Uh this slower delivery was only employed for a couple of songs throughout past LPs. You what? just said that, like, there's actually a number of slow jams on, on two, two lefts. lefts. Like, actual worship songs. Like, there's yeah. more slow and worship songs on two lefts than most people, and myself included, remember because yeah. of nostalgia. Yeah. Um, and it's now the opposite. It's rare you hear Reliant Clay. Re- Reliant Clay. <laughs> Reliant Clay. It's rare you hear Reliant K playing pop punk music. 
Okay, yes, no, they're not playing a lot of pop punk music anymore. Because they, they went back to rock. Because they did pop punk for a tiny little thing in the yep. middle. Yep. Okay, Jack's Mannequin. I've seen this cover art, but I never have checked this band out. I'm not familiar with their music, really. Mm. I like the album art, though. Yeah. Oh, this is kind of Reliant K-esque with the piano and everything. Yeah. But that's not anything that Reliant K wasn't already doing. That's correct. This isn't new ground we're breaking here. No. Like, what? when did this album come out? 2005. Well, then if anything, they're copycatting Reliant K. That's very possible, yeah. Because Reliant be K has been Reliant. around since like, I don't know anything about Jack's Mannequin, but if they're inspired by Reliant K, I have no idea, but it's possible. Chronologically, it works out. If, um, in, in turn, hypothetically, I, again, don't know anything about Jack's Mannequin, but if Forget and Not Slow Down is inspired at all by Jack's Mannequin, then that works, that tracks, because we know, like, that the Beatles were inspired by the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys were inspired the by birds. the Beatles, who inspired the Beach Boys, who inspired the Beatles. And the, the birds. were inspired by the birds. Yeah. And, like, other such bands. They were kind of competing for a while there. Right friendly competition yeah forget and not slow down is i said that weird forget and not slow down forgetting not slow down <laughs> forgetting comma not slow down is basically made of 11 full songs with several intro and outro tracks pushing it to 15 total tracks the greatest music comes from the title track and the one following i don't need a soul which is probably the best reliant k song since the mm-hmm era Sahara, featuring guest vocalists from Tim Skipper of House of Heroes, Aaron Gillespie of Underrouth, 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 under Brandon Routh. <laughs> One Nation, under Brandon Routh, um, slash The Almost and Matt McDonald of the Classic Crime is another, this is like strung together very <laughs> peculiarly, sorry. Uh, is another great composition with both. My favorite, punk, my favorite pop punk band is called the Run On Sentences. They got a five out of five on every punk news review. Uh, is another great composition with both fast, almost grungy guitar rock riffs and slower yet not necessarily boring moments. Of course, the other two desert theme songs, Oasis and Savannah, sound like childish it, concept songs. Well, you didn't listen to the album. They're not. No, so, and, and look, they're Wait, also- do they mean... Oh, whoa, wait. Now, are they doing a Danny, and are they mixing up Savannah and Sahara? No, because they picked the three pop punk songs off this album to say that they liked. They said, forget and not slow down. Uh-huh. They said, I don't need a soul. Right. And then they said, Sahara. And those are the three kind of What about If You Believe songs. Me? That's such a pop punk song. Yeah, that's true. That is. That really is. They didn't get that far in the album, Danny. <laughs> But so they're saying that the desert-themed songs Savannah and Oasis, that makes no sense. It's not, it's, it's, Savannah is a Georgia-themed song. It's about the state of Georgia. Uh, desert-themed could be Oasis. That intro is yeah. like, you're like, you know, they're like, they're looking for an Oasis. They're like calling out in the desert. I understand the, the visual. Right. We had many thoughts on Oasis. Our core thought being like, my thought was it's like a dream. He's drifting into a mm-hmm. dreamlike state, imagining his vacations in Savannah. Yeah. And it's like an oasis of his mind. It's like he's sad about the breakup and there's this oasis of happiness in his mind. 
Uh oh, Jessica just had a sorry. I read ahead, so but it's not desert themed. <laughs> oh, sorry. And Savannah is definitely not desert themed. I've mentioned before that sometimes I like I like peruse these real quick just to see how nutty oh, they no. are, and then choose if I'm going to read them or not. Oh, no. And then sometimes I don't read them at all. So full disclosure, this one I did not read at all. Oh boy. <laughs> um. The rest of the record is made of piano-driven ballads heavily influenced by the likes of 90s adult alternative pop rock. Okay, that is accurate. That, and they say that, that, that is accurate. That's, they have said as much. Yep. Candlelight is probably the most boring song I haven't heard <laughs> in church. Wow. It's that's not... what that's what I read ahead and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. This song is so much fun." This this song is so much fun. How could you be bored by this song? I don't... I gotta play the song again, because I'm like... In what way is this like a song at church? Maybe I, like I a hipster that, church. I think that they mean that it's the most boring song they've heard outside of church. So they're saying like hymns oh, boring are boring. outside of yeah. church. I thought they said this is the most boring song I've never heard at church, because I don't go to church. <laughs> Just because... Oh. Like Jessica's rereading it. <laughs> Candlelight is probably the most boring song I haven't heard in church. I think they're saying... What does that mean? I think they're saying, I never go to church, and this is the most boring song that I could imagine is played at church. Why would they play this song Why at church? Why would they play this song at church? This is a song that you listen to, and it just makes you smile. It makes me smile. It makes me happy. And why would they play it? I do a little it? dance. It's great. It's not... It's about a girl. This yeah. song's absolutely about a girl. Oh, yeah. This isn't another one that you can conflate with being about a metaphor or something about Christ. Nobody this puts is... Jesus in the corner no. dealing with the insects in the trash. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Except maybe this if reviewer. Jesus walks into a restaurant. Nobody's like, oh, can you just go around the back, please? I mean, there wasn't any room in the inn, though, so they did oh. put him in the stable. Oh, 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 oh. What are uh-oh, we doing? Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> uh Though part of it has got Thiessen's greatest vocals, it remains cheesy. The midsection of the record is made up of these slow tunes. The last part sounds more promising with some nice pop rock hits like If You Believe Me, which has a great tune about love relationships. That's every song on the album. Yeah, love relationships with deep words. If You Believe Me, We Could Stand the Test of Time Like No One Else. It's actually not that deep of a concept, just saying. Uh, and this is the end, which starts slower, but ends up a great pop punk song. Thiessen is a master at doing this kind of thing. Lyrically, Thiessen still deals with love gone bad, as on the title track, which On is, every song. <laughs> <laughs> which is about forgetting and moving on emotionally. Uh, every song. Every song on the album. That is basically the whole idea of the record, concentrating on doing things better. The end is respectable, but the means is quite a loss, frankly. Pop music that will stick in your ears for a couple of days, but after that, that will fly out as fast as you hear whatever the next hit single is on the radio. So if... So if Evolution fails, (laughs) the band's previous work, Five Score and Seven Years Ago, was the beginning of Reliant K evolving their pop punk sound to pop piano. I am quite sad writing this. I miss the times of chapstick chap lips and things like chemistry and mood rings. I bet you do. But I guess that's probably (laughs) just me missing some great memories that Reliant K used to bring in their songs. The only thing I can hope is that Matt is that Thiessen will start the band's de-evolution process quite soon. 
Well, I can't they did wait. go on to collapsible lung I from here. I can't wait for them to read that one. <laughs> Ooh, did, did you leave a review for that one? Because I want to find it. What else has this reviewer reviewed? Can you find it on the iOS? I can. Anti-flag, pulley, uh, useless ID. I should start. You know, anyone can send to Punk News. No fun at all. Lag wagon, bad religion. Oh, Bird and oh, the B-Sides. Oh, is that the, the Bird and the B-Sides we read? Maybe. Maybe that's the same Bird and the B-Sides we read. Could be. Bad religion. I have thought about. I, yeah, I, this is probably the curl up and die that we, that okay. we read. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, anyone can send to Punk News. I absolutely think that you should send in reviews <laughs> to Punk News. I do. Yeah. I genuinely do. All right. Well, we'll see. I mean, you won't start your reviews with the boys was, from Canton, Ohio, <laughs> who sound just like Blink-182. <laughs> I was on a kick in 2018. Yeah, in twenty or in 2017. I watched 520 movies that I had never seen, not counting movies I had seen before that were rewatches. I like had this super year for watching movies. Yeah. And I and it and I would get on basically thematic kicks. I'd be like, I'm gonna watch every movie of whatever. So I had a thing where I was like watching every single punk movie that it was a blind spot. Punk movies that I had heard of mm. and never seen. That's cool. And at the end of it I was like, Maybe I should have been writing reviews about these and like You absolutely something should, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd read those. Like both documentaries and fictional films and Movies that just have punks in them in a bad way. Like Punk Vacation oh, was an awful movie we yeah. saw. Uh, anyway. <laughs> That's the th- only thing I've thought about maybe sending to Punk News. Um, yeah, well, interesting. Very, uh, lots of fun. <laughs> <laughs> um well, from there, we can get Listeners, into... Listeners, do you like hearing the reviews? Should I stop with the no, reviews? No, I, I don't can. care what they think because I want to hear them. <laughs> because then I, it pulls out... Some, so there's been some episodes where we've had I've had nothing to say going into the song, and then it's hearing people's wrong opinions about it that <laughs> helped me form an actual thought on the song. So we can get into some videos. Um, Let's do it. So around 2010... There seemed to be this thing that happened. I have two different versions of it where both Matt's and Ethan played this song acoustically at oh. like radio shows or like tiny little performances. Mm-hmm. So here's one from April 2010. Uh, as it loads, I'll tell you more about it. This is uploaded by Corner WCNR. So I guess that the radio station WCNR. Is this Grandma's Chairs again? No, it's not. Okay, okay just checking. <laughs> this um, was uploaded on April 30th, 2010, using Flipshare, whatever that is. <laughs> I guess they shot, shot it on a flip phone and used some sort of app that uploads it to YouTube. Nice. Um, Remember Photobucket? I think that Photobucket went away, and I think that all the stuff is, all the links are dead now, which is a bummer. Oh, that maybe. That was back in the days of MySpace. You'd link your Photobucket pictures oh, through right. that. Oh, right, because with that? Instagram and everything, you get pretty much unlimited photo space. But with yeah. MySpace and everything, you had to find some other place. Because you had to use the HTML. Right. Yeah. That was also true for Twitter for a while. Remember yes. before Twitter, yeah. Twitter wouldn't upload your own photos. It was like Image Frog You or had something. to yeah, Image Frog and all these different yeah. services that if you wanted to upload an image to Twitter, you had to use a secondary site. Back in my day. Back in my day in 2010, <laughs> you had to use Image Frog for Twitter. <laughs> Back in my day, when you wanted to retweet someone, you had to copy paste the tweet into your own tweet with an RT. Yep. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. Back in my day, when you replied to someone, you literally weren't replying to their actual tweet. You were just making yeah. a new tweet that referenced their tweet yeah. that wasn't connected. So if you find that tweet later, you have no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> uh, here's the Matts and Ethan playing an acoustic version of Candlelight for WCNR. I guess. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, you, you could get an upright bass. That'd be acoustic. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's fun. I like that. I, Matt's vocals are a little, uh, Tyson's vocals are a little odd in there. It's like, was his voice strained or is he working hard to try to conform it to an acoustic setting? Because it's not the Maybe. most raucous sound but he's kind of it sounds like he's straining but like straining. it might be the recording the recording was yeah. it, it, it sounded it had pitched that, a little high that like tinny it also had that digital yeah. low kilobyte yeah. sound to it um well let's just double check this other one. Oh no this one actually says it sounds worse <laughs> so here's one um i don't know what it says mm, i can't yeah, there's no info on why, where they did this, but it's pretty much the exact same setup. Acoustic, Matt, Matt, and Ethan. Probably a radio station again, but they're on some sort of stage with, like, big windows leading out oh, yeah. to the city streets behind them in broad daylight. Uh, they're up on this stage, just the three of them. It seems like... It almost looks like a bar, but I... Yeah. Yeah, you know? Um, but, yeah, it sounds way worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a flip phone. Um, I'm loving Tyson's Unabomber jacket, though. Over <laughs> yeah. He's got it up, even. Yeah. <laughs> like he was having a bad hair day. Um, yeah, so that's nice. Speaking of great MXBX songs. What did I say? I forgot already. Bad hair day. Bad hair day, that's right. The best MXBX song. <laughs> um, Next to Kings of Hollywood. That's right. Kings of Hollywood, definitely. Well, they're tied. Kings of Hollywood is a banger. Don't Don't deny it. <laughs> it's a great song. So now, Rock the Universe 2011. I think this sounds pretty good. And you get this, like, the person, like, turns the camera around and looks at their friend. It looks at his friends, and their friends, his friends are <laughs> nice. like, his friends are like, yeah, having a good time. <laughs> Our parents let us out of the house tonight. It's yeah. great. But they look a little older than that. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if, because, you know, 
you have experience at Rock the Universe. We've talked about it and mm-hmm. like how it's I mean, a I've never of, actually been, but oh, I've heard, heard stories. About but I wonder it. if Rock the Universe has aged with the 20s and 30-somethings. Maybe. And then I wonder if it then sets back again with like the younger kids in Orlando. You know I what I mean? Know. We'd have to go check it out. Maybe we should do a, a Sadie Hawkins field trip. <laughs> a field trip to Rock the Universe 2020. Yeah. When does it happen? <laughs> I don't know. In the summer, I think. Okay. There was, oh, you know, there was one time I worked at Universal Studios. So when we talked, uh, we talked about it. My history is like with the band is that as a fan in the early 2000s, they would remember my name between shows. I would, between, when they go, they'd come through Boston, come through New England. I'd see them. I'd bother them. <laughs> they'd be super gracious with their time. Uh, and then they'd go on to the next city. I'd see them again like six months later, and they'd be like, hi, Danny. And I'd be like, hi, <laughs> you know my name. That would be awesome, right? Uh, and then by the time Mm-hmm comes out, no, Mm-hmm was out for a little bit, still talk to them. By the time Mm-hmm ex- you know, explodes, and by the time Five Score comes out, I've never talked to Matt Thiessen or anybody really again until we talked to John Schneck online. But in, 20, in 2008... I was working at Universal Studios Florida and Rock the Universe behind the scenes. I was working in like a kitchen in like the employee kitchen and Rock the Universe was that day. And unlike Disney, which had would have super tight security for employees, like if you worked at Universal, you could literally just t- at least at the time in 2008, I don't know if it's changed in 10 years, you could take your pass and just walk everywhere. Oh wow. You could literally just walk anywhere and everywhere. Nobody would stop you. You could walk to any end of the park. You could walk to any employee area other than like restricted areas. Like maybe if they were actually shooting something, maybe if something was being constructed, you couldn't go in there. But you could just walk everywhere as an employee in 2008. It when does I not there. work like that at Disney, I can tell you. No, I don't think it ever worked like that because you couldn't even go into the park the same day you worked. No. Right. But because behind the scene, the peek behind the curtain, I used to work at Disney as a deep water lifeguard, specifically <laughs> right. deep water. Um. <laughs> so if I'm getting the year right, 2007 or 2008, I worked at Universal and I was like, I'm going to go that night. Rock the Universe was happening. So I'm like, I'm going to go. I go. I get to work at five in the morning. I clean pots and pans. <laughs> I do all this stuff. And then I'm going to bring a change of clothes and I'm going to go to Rock the Universe. And because I have a backstage pass, I'll meet Matisse and they'll be like, hey, bro, remember me? <laughs> by, the oh, en- no. by the end of oh, the no. but no, by the end of the work day, I was like, I just want to go home. <laughs> I was so oh. tired and sweaty. Oh. <laughs> Dan. So three years later, they were back at Rock. The at Rock, I was living in in uh, New Jersey, married to Jessica, and they were back in Florida. And this is how they sounded that night. Oh, I remember that banner. Oh yeah, yeah, the one with the with the with the biplane, and it says like has there's a, a banner Ryan within cave. the banner. Yes, super a banner meta. <laughs> um, this one also sounds good, but I just want to watch it for one second. We've seen this Manila concert from 2013 oh, a yeah. couple of times. Yeah, yeah, especially with Collapsible Lung because that was the album at the time. But this angle, like this particular person's phone, I don't think we've come across before from that concert because then I realized. 
I've and I've seen this setup. I've seen this concert in different phone videos a bunch, but apparently it was like at a mall. I think oh. it was like at the Manila version of the Mall of America. Oh wow! <laughs> because then at the end of the video, they're like, "Hey, thanks for everyone for hang coming coming along and hanging out. Thanks for finding us. This place is pretty huge." But then look at this footage. Like you can see. Oh yeah. You can see like the, 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 there's a second floor, the second floor of the mall, around. and shoppers are just walking by and then looking down yeah. for a second, and it's just. It's like that video from, um, oh man, where was that? I want to say Coral Gables, but I don't think that's it. From the the mall in like Palm Beach where the Santa gets stuck. It's like that. You right. can see people on the other floors like, oh. So it's just a giant mall in Manila and they're playing in the middle of the mall. That's pretty awesome though. And uh, also this is the first video that brings this to light for you. When the band has played it live, seemingly from Collapsible Lung Error and After, they reverse flare and, cl- and candlelight. Oh. Yeah. So he actually, they actually, here in Manila and in a few other places, they actually open with a shortened version oh, of cool. flare. And this is what it sounds like. audience is loving it yeah <laughs> like yeah they're doing candlelight is this i think this very pretty uh, flair is so pretty it's just uh, that in candlelight it's a pretty song it always makes you happy puts a smile on your face it's good stuff yeah i i like the flipping though of putting making the outro an intro yeah because it's kind of similar to that oasis intro mm-hmm. that i always think of with savannah it's like maybe especially in a live setting like you've already played this sort of rock song this upbeat song and then you slow it down maybe that makes sense in some live settings to slow it down and then to slow to speed it up then slow it down Mm -hmm. like is is on the album makes sense makes sense in some live settings but to keep it slow and then kick it off that's Mm -hmm. that's something that gets your heart rate going a little better in in uh Especially if they're playing in a mall. <laughs> well, I was going to say, especially if they just transitioned from a slower number into right. with a faster number. That way it's a little less jarring. It's a little smoother. Yeah. And then in uh, 2013 in Grand Rapids, same thing. Flair first. Tyson is barefoot <laughs> in this clip, if you wanted to see it. What did I write here? I wrote, um, oh, yeah. Well, and so we wanted to, we've been talking about how we want to learn more about collapsible lung and after members of the band mm-hmm. or it was right every, everyone after the album after the yeah. johns and ethan leave the band who are all the other people and touring in the band and i figured out zach farrow or farrow from paramore the oh. drummer from paramore oh interesting he wasn't in paramore from 2011 to 2016 oh. and he was the touring drummer for reliant k at least in 2013 interesting yeah before dave came back so I learned that. Uh, I also wrote this down. Someone had an unofficial upload, not the official stream, but someone just uploaded the song on their own to YouTube. 
And Leonard Biven, four years ago, said on that YouTube video, said, can't believe I took guitar lessons to play this for my ex when I asked her to prom. Dumped me the day before I was going to do it. Bad oh, memories. No. Still love this song, though. Oh, no. So, oh, no. so Leonard oh, no. was learned the song to do a is prom this, puzzle. Is this actually David Catch? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. No, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> but that was just such a sad story. I was yeah. like, I'd screen capped it and I was like, oh. Um, so now we can get into covers. Sounds good. And we'll start off with something which I'm pretty sure we'll like because this is a week of very samey covers. Okay. Lots of samey covers. But yeah, first you actually we, you played a few of these. Yeah, we were on a day. we were on a long drive yesterday for our uh, President's Day weekend, and <laughs> I was like, I had already listened to the SoundCloud covers, but we were couldn't figure out anything to listen to, and I'm like, let's just listen to all the covers on soundcloud for this song yeah and we listened through them and jessica was and jessica was like oh oh i don't know how he does this every week because i'm like after you listen to the same thing so many times in so many different some mind-boggling ways it's right. just the song just doesn't sound like anything anymore i'm like how do you manage this it's particularly it's when the song only brings out people doing acoustic covers yeah yeah like there's no variation there's only a couple different style covers here and like Curl Up and Die, it's just a lot of people on guitar jamming out the song, which is awesome. And I'm glad people do that. But when you're doing what I'm doing and listening to every cover after the 18th s- cover that's exactly like in the same style as the previous 17, you're like, yeah. yeah there's, there's, there's <laughs> <laughs> so what are we listening to now? So first we're going to listen to Zeke Power. Nice. Uh, and he's got this cover coming to us all the way from Australia. Australian The Voices, Zeke Power. It's a little, sort of the roughest intro we've mm-hmm. ever heard from Zeke Power. One thing we kind of discovered when we listened to the SoundCloud covers was the vocally, the vocal range of this song yeah. apparently must be tricky because a lot of people on SoundCloud couldn't get it. Yeah, just even, the, even, they would get yeah. the timing off a little bit or something, but I thought Zeke Power did a really good job. Yeah, but even he, he struggled he a little bit yeah. with, the, with it at the beginning. Yeah. 
Um, some other covers I saw, I'm like, oh, actually, the chords in this song apparently are very, very simple. Mm. But apparently the vocal melody, I think, might be a little bit more complicated because a lot of people couldn't nail it. Yeah, yeah. In some of the but ones Zeke that... Did. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. In some of the ones that Danny played for me um, the other day, it was like, they were like, they were off with what they were playing. So they would speed it up a little too much or slow it down or just they wouldn't quite hit the right keys. And, and just a lot of them also didn't have the same sort of... The same sort of emotion behind the vocals, which I think is really important with a lot of Reliant K songs, is getting that sort of emotional feeling behind the, you know, the intention behind behind the lyrics. And that's what's cool about whenever we find a Zeke Power cover is he usually finds an emotion if it's not exactly the same as Reliant K, almost like an actor performing. Like he finds an emotional core to his version of the song. And I think he had a very original sort of thing there. Also, he wasn't just strumming it the whole time. He's doing those just like plucking things and letting the sustain carry him through a line of the song. So this cover is by Hannah Stokes, uploaded in 2014, August 2014. And it's a pretty good acoustic cover, uh, but the shot—I don't know the 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 way. The way let me just let's just take a listen, then we'll talk about okay. the visuals of this version. So very nice finger yeah. picking style. Uh, Hannah's really stoking the flames of that fire <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> of this torch song, which yeah. may or may not qualify as Making a torch Making the, the moths uh, get drawn to yeah. that flame, yeah. But just look at the composition of this shot. Let it soak it in for a second. Soak yeah. it in. The camera is low. She's sitting against a wall. The, the 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 guitar itself takes up like 70% of the shot. Her her plucking arm, her strumming arm is coming in from off frame. Like you don't see where her yeah. elbow comes from. She looks and then very her head comfy. she looks very comfy, but her head is just sticking out of the top of the guitar. Yeah. It's just a very strange off-putting shot and part of the desk or whatever's in front of her is also in the shot it's interesting it basically looks like a head is growing out of the guitar and an arm is floating out of frame yeah it definitely looks like someone else's arm is coming in from out of frame to play that part which would be cool if it was (laughs) yeah but it's a very pretty cover but with a very unsettling image there's this cover to a johnny cash greatest hits that i got obsessed with for a model do you remember that uh-huh. Because they had, it was just a picture of Johnny Cash standing there, but across the entire center third of the image was Johnny Cash, greatest hits or something. But because they placed the text there, it made his head and his hand look huge comparatively. Yeah. And I was obsessed with that image for I a long time. Do in fact remember that? <laughs> um, okay, so I don't think we can get all to all of them. Lots of different acoustic-only covers varying degrees of success or not thanks for hanging in folks this has been a very long episode surprisingly (laughs) got a little off track at the beginning it's valentine's (laughs) we're talking about love um 
<laughs> Are we though? <laughs> yeah. So lots and lots of uke covers. Nice. Lots of different interesting stuff. A person playing on the beach. <laughs> but no like very no like strongly varied covers. You know, nothing mm-hmm. like where they ch- totally change the instrumentation and stuff like that. Um so then in so since we are going long, I'll just describe some of the videos and then I'll play the one that I'm hoping will be the showstopper. Okay. So there's some kids who shot an FMV in a church. Nice. Uh, they just like they pretend that they're the band playing the song, and then they go around and it's like full, it's like a little full music video where they're lip syncing the song in, in church. Um, there's this weird thing where I can only describe it as it's like they it's like they created the opening to the Reliant K talk show called Candlelight with Reliant K because <laughs> it's a bunch of stock city. images of cities and Reliant K, like cities at night and Reliant K. And a, and a candle. Yeah. A couple candles lit, of course. This is uploaded by Jennifer Wong. Amazing. So that's a little... It absolutely does look like an 80s or 90s like yeah. late night talk show or morning uh, On cable access thing. at the very oh, least. Oh, yeah. Um, there's some, there's a fan made music video of a family goofing around in the yard. There's like three sisters and they keep kissing each other. And I'm like, that's both sweet and creepy that it's on YouTube. <laughs> like, that's perfectly nice <laughs> in and of itself. I'm not judging it. It's just on YouTube. Um, there's a pretty creative, oh, we'll get through these real quick. Um, Jemimina, J-E-M-I-M-A more put together this fun stop motion animated video with like a piece of drawing paper where they draw and they draw like lyrics on the paper, but then they cut them up and move the cut up pieces around the table to spell out words. And then a new piece of paper will come out and you'll like see the drawing happening in stop motion. And again, it'll get cut up and then more pieces move into dance and stuff. That's great. It's really cute. Like one little piece of paper. Oh, you just, sorry, I just missed it. When he says, get my head straight, one little piece of paper that's that's like a f- picture of a face comes in and it's like, gotta get my head straight. Oh yeah, it's really cute. This is really cute. That's really creative. Um, someone did an animation project in high school. Oh wow. This is by Red Ink YouTube oh, wow. channel. And it's basically like a storyboard and then yeah. with, with digital movement across the storyboard. Yeah. It's from um, an animatic. Yeah, style. and it's about a person. It's about this little cartoon character in a school is obsessed, is in love with the girl, and then you get a fully animated couple of wow. seconds at the beginning. And they did this in high school. That's apparently. incredible. Not for college, but for high school. That's great. You only get the fully animated section. He like goes into his locker and is tearing his hair out, thinking and singing the song about how much he loves her. And then it's a little, and then the rest, like I said, is storyboard style. It's really cute and yeah. really well done. It looks like a children's storybook, the drawing quality. It was you know what I mean? red ink. Red ink. That's great. Yeah, and this was uploaded in 2013. Uh, and then we can, and there's an ASL video and a uke tutorial, uh, or a guitar tutorial where it opens with the guy's like, I'm sponsored this week by this YA novel. And I thought, <laughs> found that really funny. But nice. uh, this is, now we love shipping videos. Yes. You would think a song like Candlelight. Like, yeah. would have a lot of shipping videos because yeah, it's would. a song about one character it's being pretty obsessed with, yeah. yeah. 
and shipping videos for oh, those Oh, that's who... the thing, because it's pretty upbeat, though. Right. Does this only have a few because of that? It only has one that I found. Wow. But it, oh boy, is it the shipping video? Oh, wow. Now, shipping videos, of course, are when you have two fictional characters, although you can also extend this to real life, but you have two characters that you want them to be in a relationship. In fiction, in television shows particularly, when you have two characters that you think, oh, they should be a couple together, but they're not, like the writers aren't writing them that way, particularly if it's like a show that's done Mm -hmm. and existed before shipping culture, or it's a movie and the movie was made and the two characters that you wanted to be together are together because maybe that wasn't even in the cards for the writers, but Mm -hmm. you just saw these two characters. Or maybe the writers just wrote the characters in a way that they have a weird like connection and you're like, this seems a little bit more than friendly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, Then the tiniest little frame or moment where the characters interact or look at each other, people will take those and take screen caps and like write whole fan fictions based on that one screen cap. Right. They'll take, make whole music videos about just the shreds of frames in which they have the characters interacting together, set it to a romantic song and say, these are my characters that I want to be in a couple as a couple. And here, here's my video that sort of visualizes for me. That I, I love that you're explaining shipping videos. Like you don't think that, I mean, like most, most people that probably listen to us probably know, I know. what that is. <laughs> people know what shipping is, but just in case, there's a whole nother side of shipping that we on this show have oh, never no. come across. Oh, no. Is it dark? No. The dark side of shipping. There is the crack ship thing where it's like weird things like, right. I want Ron Weasley and Severus Snape to be together. That's crack <laughs> yeah. ship. That like It's like, oh, yeah. that's weird. Um, no, there's a whole nother side to shipping that we've never come across before. I don't know what it's called, but it's basically when you want two characters from completely unrelated franchises to be together. Okay. Okay. Um, there's a whole thing out there. Like, let's say you want... There's a famous one, for some reason, out there of Spider-Man and Elsa. People want Spider-Man, even though they're oh. owned by the same company. Interesting. They're not in the same universe. No. They're part of totally different f- media franchises. People want Elsa and Spider-Man to be together. Like the live action one or the cartoon or one? Or whatever. I have no idea. I don't know that specifically. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I don't asking. know that specifically. But let's say like you think... Um, I didn't know. Is this like a... No, I don't know. No, I really don't know the answer to that. I don't know what Spider-Man. I'm just saying I've seen things like that before. But let's say you, like, want Sonic the Hedgehog and Mario to be together. Okay? Okay. Right? Whatever. Who knows? Whatever. Okay. You want Sonic the Hedgehog and uh, Spyro the Dragon. I don't know. <laughs> Here's a music video I found. I wrote, wow. Uh, no, I don't want to spoil it. I'm not going to. Okay. I wrote the longest note in any YouTube clip I've ever written. Oh, wow. Here it is. I don't know how else to describe it. It is called Candlelight non-slash-Disney full M-E-P. I don't know what that stands for. This is uploaded by Keeping Me Posted 25. And uh, here we go. Okay, I'm looking at scenes from Mulan. And Treasure Planet. And it's the main oh. character from Treasure Planet. Oh, wow. Now they're part of the same corporation. Now you're looking at... Oh, they've edited the people into the other properties. They've taken, or in the, in they've taken After Effects and cut frames to make them look like they're talking to each other across <laughs> movies. So currently we're looking on at... Um, and it's a lyric, it and it's changing. also a slight lyric video. Yeah, so they want Elsa and... What's the boy from, from Frozen? They want... Not Olaf, that's the snowman, I, right? What's th- the boy's name? Crispin Glover. What's the boy's name that Anna's with? Christopher? I don't know. I don't Christoph. know. Christoph. Here's the thing. 
this movie, this video is gonna go at a breakneck pass. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna. So first off, we had Mulan with Treasure Planet edited into Mulan. Whoever yeah. the guy is from Treasure Mulan Planet. Mulan edited into Treasure Planet. Then we had the opposite romantic involvements of Frozen. We had the redhead Frozen with the guy she's not with in that or something. No, it was Elsa with with. With the with guy that ends up with Crispin the Crispin Glover. Right. Chris, yeah. And then w- they showed Anna, but then she Basically, was with some other guy, but I don't okay. know who that was. Let me just sum this up now. <laughs> this is a collaborative project <laughs> where a whole bunch of people using After Effects and similar similar things made little like five to ten second clips of of out of continuity couples they want to be together. They put it all together into a candlelight Wow. Lyric video. Wow. And some of these pairings. Now, the pairings so far, you're like, okay, a Disney character from two unrelated Disney movies. Cool. Sure. Oh, the couple from from Frozen, that's the opposite of what you actually get. Cool, whatever. Some of these are about to... Some of these broke my mind. All right, we got Tarzan it's and... It's Tarzan and the swan princess from <laughs> that... <laughs> from... I don't, I don't even know what company put out the swan princess. <laughs> <laughs> from the early 90s it's oh and now it's one of the crudes with the baby with the lady dracula from <laughs> from hotel transylvania and they're smiling at each other they love each other fantastic oh it's the tina fey character from megamind <laughs> with with the guy that turns out to be evil from frozen with Anna's first girl from Anna's first boyfriend is in love with the Tina K- Fey character from Megamind. Yeah, you're gonna know like all these, uh, and I'm not because I don't really watch. Animated I got some movies. idea. <laughs> now it's, it's uh, okay. Oh, it's Rapunzel and the boy from Big Hero Big Six. Hero Six. <laughs> they're dancing. Young again. Rapunzel. Oh no, now they're older. Look, well, she's she touching is. his face oh, and they're wow. crying together. That's that's actually really well done. I mean, for for as odd as it is, I don't know this one. I don't know what these characters are. More Big Hero Six characters, I and think. And somebody else. I'm waiting for more that are crazy. Okay. Okay. Oh wow, we went super old school. <laughs> it's the it's the guy from Anastasia falling in love with Ariel. <laughs> Wow. I'm waiting for the one. The one. So this is all building up to one like amazing one. <laughs> what what am I looking at? Uh uh, it's the guy from Rapunzel, and I don't know who that girl is. I think she's from Epic, but their eyes aren't on the same model, so they look like they it shouldn't looks exist. Really together. odd, yeah. This is Megamind <laughs> with the <laughs> with the Jane Lynch character with- from <laughs> From Wreck-It from Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> but these videos are amazing. They really they're, are. They're pretty well edited together. They are. That took a lot of work. Like, But they also kind of vary frame to frame. Like some of the yeah. shots don't go together well. And especially if they have different model types that don't look like they would exist together. It's Wreck-It Ralph falling in love with the girl from from How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, wow. Which seems age inappropriate. Now he's a video game character, so he never <laughs> ages. But she's like... A t- young teen, like yeah. that's not that's not appropriate. No, creepy. Who comes up with this though? Who's like, man, those two would be great together. <laughs> uh, okay, 
It's brave. It's the boy from the Lorax who's about to meet the Lorax. <laughs> but instead of the Lorax coming out of the tree, it's, it's the princess from Brave. <laughs> which kind of makes sense because they're both just as hairy, right? And they're both kind of redheaded. And he's like, whoa. Are we getting to the amazing one or are these I just think all we might have missed ones? it. I was talking oh. about, there's a shot where they just super input, like one character was dancing with another character. Uh-huh. And instead of actually successfully cutting out the frame, they just placed the frames of animation of the character they wanted <laughs> over the character like, that exists. Yeah. Nice. Oh, I d- I've seen a couple like shots <laughs> like that. Amazing. So, yeah, that is. And then it ends with uh, April Spark, who's like, guys, I can't take it. She's like, of I this. cannot take this. I don't like talk about fan fiction. I don't like talk about shipping. I don't like talk about Sonic. I don't like talk about Zack Snyder. Well, April, if you have a problem with that, give us a call at four zero two nine five Sadie. Or uh, you can send us an email at sadiehawkinspod at gmail Or you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. Definitely check out our Instagram because that is where we'll be posting these videos from this week. Uh, Both of those are at Sadie Hawkins pod. (laughs) And that is Candlelight. It's just wasted time.